For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is the Untold Italy Travel Podcast and you're listening to episode number 201. Ciao a tutti and benvenuti to Untold Italy, the travel podcast where you go to the towns and villages, mountains and lakes, hills and coastlines of Bella Italia. Each week your host, Katie Clark, takes you on a journey in search of magical landscapes, history, culture, wine, gelato and, of course, a whole lot of pasta. If you're dreaming of Italy and planning future adventures there, you've come to the right place. Benvenuti, welcome everyone. How are you all doing? Today, I thought we would head back to the Eternal City to discover why you've never really done Rome, as many people say. Rome is one of the world's greatest cities thanks to being the centre and beating heart of its enormous empire that stretched over 5 million square kilometres from Hadrian's Wall in England to the north to the banks of the Euphrates in Syria in the south. Thanks to this domination, very sophisticated civilization, and rich history throughout the centuries, Rome has countless treasures to explore. But unfortunately, most visitors just tap into a few of the famous ones before ticking them off their list and declaring that they've done Rome. Joining me today is local guide and archaeologist Margarita Caponi, who has an unrelenting passion for Rome and its many layers of history. Margarita and I were destined to meet as we share this passion and also mutual friends, but somehow it probably took a little longer than it should have. Anyway, I kept bumping into her on a recent trip to Rome and made sure she promised to join me here on the pod. So let's meet Margarita and get started on this episode that is dedicated to all you history nerds like me who are obsessed with delving deeper into the Eternal City. Benvenuta Margarita, welcome on to the Untold Italy podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kathy, for having me, for the invitation. 
Oh, it's such a pleasure. Margarita, we kept bumping into each other in Rome earlier this year, so it's so lovely to see you and hear your voice, even if I'm now on the opposite side of the world. And we did have an instant connection over Rome's lesser-known treasures, so I'm so thrilled that you are here to share some of them with our listeners today. But before we get started, could you let them know a little bit about yourself, what you do, and why you're so passionate about sharing the history of Rome through its lesser-known places? Thank you. My name is Margherita. Uh, I am 58 years old. No, but in the reality, I am 3,000 years old. I am in Rome from 3,000 years. And I have lived always in the same place, grew up in the same place, in the city center, in nearby the Colosseum, let's say half mile from the Colosseum, and in uh, an area surrounded by ruins, by the antiquity, and I am a very curious person, so I grew up with the ruins, but I didn't know when I was young. I was asking around, nobody knew, because Romans don't know Rome. So finally, I studied, uh, studied classics, I studied archaeology, art history, and I am still studying Rome, because Rome is so big, so ancient, so special, that they never stop. So I am crazy for Rome. I'm in love with Rome. Rome is my real love. The word Rome in Italian is Roma. The uh, palindromos, if you read from right to left, is amor. That means love. So Rome is my love. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. And you turned your love into your work, right? So tell everyone what you do in Rome. So. I am an archaeologist, so before, for years, let's say 14 years, I spent my life in digging up, digging and studying. Rome, I have worked also outside Rome, always in Italy, in sites that are were dating back from the prehistory to the Middle Ages. And I dug up and I did only that. I was not considering tourism at all but only because I didn't know the business. Uh, I did that for 14 years. Then a friend of mine, we were doing a very important excavation in the Imperial Forums. We were excavating one of the Imperial Forums called the Vespasian Forum more than 2,000 years ago. No, more than 23 years ago. We were talking at this friend of mine, another archaeologist, told me, but why you don't try to be a guide? I say, guide? What is this guide? So it's a job. You you explain the uh, the city to the tourists. So I took an exam that I could take with no big problems because I studied before history, art history, archaeology, and I started to work. And I I realized that I really like because I am in love with Rome. I want to explain Rome to like let's say introduce Rome to the visitors. And I discovered that there was a wonderful work. Of course, archaeology and excavations are my first love, but now I am a little older. Digging up is a little hard, and it's in the heat, in the in the cold season, so I'm now guiding. And she is a pretty marvellous guide, I have to tell you, and I think every listener knows how much I really appreciate local guides in Italy and Margarita is is so fantastic. And 
I can tell you that I we instantly hit it off because I so admired her passion for Roma and all its many wonders, some of which she's going to share with us today. Because while Rome is Rome, and you all know the big ticket items like the Colosseum and Vatican Museums, let me tell you, some of its lesser known sites are truly awe-inspiring. Margarita, what would you like to share with us first, which is one of the sites that you love to visit that people might not know so much about? Look, you have mentioned the Colosseum, very close to the Colosseum, including in the same ticket, so you don't have to pay an extra ticket. There is the most important place of Rome, and in my opinion, in the world, I mean the hill, called the Palatine Hill. That's the place where Rome started, seriously, 3,000 years ago, established by a community of shepherds after became the shepherd of the twins, Romulus and Remus, the story of the Shewoff, that is a story. But Rome really started on the top of the Palatine Hill at the end of the Bronze Age. Then that hill became the aristocrat's residence, then the imperial residence. So it is very, very close to the Colosseum. But the people that are coming that uh, want to see everything in one day, they very often ignore the Palatine or they quickly walk on the top, they take some pictures of the surroundings and then they go on, they go away. So my favorite place in Rome is the Palatine Hill, where everything started, where you have, uh, uh, let's say, evidences that go back to the prehistory, to the beginning of the history of Rome, that you see in the area and also in the museums. So that's a very steep hill that was very is very well located in the middle of Italy, the Mediterranean area, dominating the Tiber River. So it's a beautiful place, quite, because no big groups go there. You have an amazing view of Rome, and you can start to have an approach with the Roman history that is seriously 3,000 years old, and that started exactly there. Yeah, it's so amazing. And there's always excavations going on, continuing there, isn't there? So there's like every time if you go back, and I've been fortunate enough to go back a few times, there's something new to discover on the Palatine Hill. Yes, but, uh, you know, the Italian organization is not very well organized. I mean, so they are doing new excavations but they don't open when they end to the gap. You have to wait years. For example, the excavation of a section called uh, the Temple of Elagabalus, the Vigna Barberini, the excavations lasted 30 years and they opened the area that now is open and visible after 20 more years. <laughs> so uh, they are doing new excavations, but uh, Mm, they are not open to the public uh, instantly. You have to wait a little bit. <laughs> a few decades. So, <laughs> But I think that the very interesting thing about it's such a huge site, is it? And so you can't really take it all in in one visit because you have all the remains of the temples and the also the palaces on the Palatine Hill. It's, it's truly awe-inspiring. Do you have a favourite place in the Palatine Hill that you like to go to? More than one. One is the area where the archaeologists found the original huts, the postal holes of the original huts of the original shepherd, which is the southwest corner of the hill. Another place is 
a garden recreated by an archaeologist called Giacomo Boni that wanted also to be buried there. He has recreated the Renaissance garden. So you, in the same place, you can see the remnants of the prehistoric huts, or Iron Age huts, and the Renaissance garden in, the, in a few meters of this. That's amazing. It's a beautiful area and, yeah, not not so many people see it, unfortunately. Not because uh, the people are focused on the Colosseum or a quick look uh, to the Forum, which is at the slopes of the Palatine. There was the ancient city centre. They mostly go there. To go to the Palatine, you have to walk. It's up a hill. And in the summertime, it's very hot, so it's not really the tour that you have to do in the summer. And uh, so you need time to do it in depth. You need minimum, a minimum three hours. They Sometimes they're opening the slopes facing the Circus Maximus. In that case, you need probably four hours only for the Palatine. Wow. But it's so interesting. There's so many incredible stories. Like, uh, I mean, I know they've just opened the Domus Tibriana as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In fact, because of the... The hill became originally the aristocrat's residence and then the imperial residence. Uh, that uh, has been excavated only in part, restored in part, and finally they opened a section which is called the Domus Tiberiana, but that probably was, uh, was built probably by Nero and after by Hadrian. Uh, it has been reopened after more than 30 years of restoration. So every time you find you can find an open section. But sometimes, we are in Italy, you have the new sections, but you don't have enough stuff. So there is a surprise. It's the it's the bit that we love and the bit that drives us crazy, right? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, Margarita, though, I think that uh, one of the amazing things about the Palatine Hill is what has actually happened on there, the stories, the history, the influence over the world. I mean, this is the centre of one of the greatest empires of the world has ever seen. And so you're treading in the footsteps of emperors and senators and, and all of these things. And I think it's unfortunately, like you said, in Italy there's the not a lot of information that's provided um, at the site. So if you go there on your own, you're kind of looking at a load of old rocks, aren't you? See, exactly. The Palatine is a place that you cannot explore on your own unless you are really, really uh, motivated or you are you have studied, uh, you have prepared your visit because uh, you see at the same time evidences that are dating back totally different periods. So on your own, uh, it's really impossible. And there are big paths you need to know the uh, the direction where to go. Uh, if you go on your own, you you absolutely enjoy the view, the sky, the atmosphere, but probably you don't understand uh, a lot. Yeah. Do you have a favourite moment that's happened on that site that you like to share? Is there like in history? Not in particular, but I like to think that from that place the emperors were managing the entire world. It's impressing because uh, the empire that including three continents. Not yet Oceania, because probably has not been discovered yet. Maybe they could arrive there. But they managed three continents, Africa, Asia, and Europe. They were managing everything from there. So that is impressive. 
It's so impressive. And, you know, we think we're so clever with all our technology and everything, but you can, if you do a little bit of research into the Roman history, it's just incredible what they managed to achieve without electricity or internet or anything like that. Exactly. Okay, so if we move on from the Palatine Hill, where's another site that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Again, a place very close to the Palatine, close to the Colosseum. That is my own area. I am living in the slopes of the Caelian Hill, one of the seven hills, where you have two hidden gems, two underground levels discovered uh, probably casually by some priests that were staying there that started to dig uh, like without any apparent reasons and they found a subterranean world. One is the complex of the so-called Houses of Kellyan, Kellyan Hill Houses of Chelium, which is a house that is under a church, probably the house of two saints brothers or friends called John and Paul, that became Christians that have been killed in their own house and buried in their own house. The house has been covered by a church. The house has been buried and forgotten, rediscovered in 1800s. So you walk on the street, you cannot imagine what you have underground, and now you can visit uh, that area under the church of... Uh, the two saints that we call Giovanni and Paolo, John and Paul, that are not the John and Paul, the saints, the evangelists, the Baptists, but they are two different John and Paul, two Roman saints killed by Julian the Apostate that was a Christian, re-became pagan, and he made the terrible persecution in Rome in 364 AD. So according to tradition, the two men have been killed in their house, uh, they've been uh, buried in the house, and two weeks after, three more Christian friends went in the house to look for them, and they've been found by the soldiers that killed them too. It happened in a house that after has been totally covered by the church. A father of the church started to dig up in 1800s, and he found all the underneaths, a Roman house uh, that is um, dating in three phases, the 4th century, the 3rd century, and the 1st century AD. Yeah, and it's really well preserved. Perfectly preserved because it has been buried and never explored anymore from the antiquity, let's say, from the 5th century to the 19th century. They are called Le Case Romane del Celio, Roman houses of the Canyon Hill. Yeah, and so were they very wealthy people or were they um, ordinary people? Probably they were, they were wealthy because of the house, um, the house where they've been killed, has included a previous property that originally was split in a ground level where you had the, shops, the house of the uh, owners of the shops, and the upper levels. All this property was included in one property in the 4th century, frescoed. You have uh, also interesting frescoes that are not upper upper level like the imperial frescoes that you can have 
in the Nero's palace, but they are not bad. So yes, they were wealthy. Not uh, the top of the richness, but neither is poor. Okay. So it's really interesting you get a window into uh, Roman kind of middle class life then in that site. I always wonder how the buildings that we build today, whether they're going to last 2,000 years, and I don't think they will, unfortunately. So no one is going to know how we live if we survive, if humans survive another 2,000 years because there will be nothing left. Everything is so disposable, isn't it? We just don't have the commitment to building things like they did. I don't know. So that's in, is it in the Monty district? Is that where, where how would you get to this site? How will we get to see these houses? We need to go to the church of Giovanni e Paolo, is that right? Yes. Uh, you can go by bus that's not far from the Colosseo subway station and you walk. It's a hidden gem, but it's easy to to be reached. You need to book the tickets in advance is better because now the property belongs to the home office, to the Ministry of the Interior Affairs, but it's managed by the Ministry of the Culture, so you, you need to pay a ticket. You can also buy the ticket at the moment, but it's better to book in advance. So everyone, Margarita has given us all the information so that we can share with you and we'll pop that in the show notes. So if you want to go and visit this site, you can. I haven't been there myself, so I'm putting it on my list. And another thing is important. The church, which is on the top of the houses, is the church where my parents married. So I can tell that my story started there. (laughs) Oh, that's so lovely. If they would have married there, I could not be here, probably. <laughs> well, that's a very important site. Exactly. For me, for my fam- for our family, yes. Oh, yeah, it's very personal to you. I can see that. Okay, so now we're going to go somewhere else, maybe a little bit further out of Rome? Yes, we are going to go into the countryside. The countryside, just outside of Rome, Rome was surrounded by an amazing country, beautiful, green, cool, that unfortunately has been damaged mostly after the World War II, where we had the big immigration from Italy, from the south, from all over. Before World War II, probably didn't count neither one million of inhabitants. After, we had more than one million, now we are three and a half million. The people are living mostly in the suburbs. So the the beautiful country has been destroyed by the new buildings that very often, unfortunately, in Italy have been built without any roof. But there are some, let's say, rare oases that have been saved. One is a vineyard where they are producing wine that is a very special place because the property is in the hands of the same family from more than 300 years. It's the family of a Pope, the family Pallavicini. They have also an amazing palace in the city center room in front of the Quirinal Palace, which is now the presidential palace. But they also own this property. They were they here an incredible vineyard, and the cellar is in the channel of an ancient aqueduct, one of the 11 aqueducts that were bringing the water into Rome. 
they found the channel, not in use anymore, and that's a channel probably the first century AD, and they transformed it in a cellar for their wine. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's a very charming place. It's a place where they didn't build a modern buildings, but only, you have only the remnants of the medieval farms this amazing channel, and in another section of the property, they have an old building, built probably in 1500s, that was a kind of restaurant and hotel for the travelers. It is along a Roman road called the Casilina that was used by the travelers to reach Naples from Rome, because the Appian Way, that was the main road, in some periods uh, was interrupted or destroyed. So they were traveling there. One of the travelers that stopped in the restaurant is, for example, the painter Caravaggio. We know that uh, while he was traveling to Naples, he stopped in the old restaurant. Now the, the farm is the winery is producing an excellent local wine. The wine of our countryside is not famous or doesn't have the reputation that has the Tuscany wine, but that's very good. It's the light white Frascati, probably you know, and they are producing also a new red, light, but let's say interesting. It's special because that land is volcanic land, so this countryside is the slopes of the big volcano called Vulcano Laziale, where you have also a series of villages called Castelli Romani or Albany Hills. So it's a really oasis that has not been attacked by the buildings built without any order or any style. It's still probably like it was in 1500s. So it's a place where you can go to visit, you can do wine tasting, but it's not in the famous places where all the groups go. It's very close to Rome. You can also reach by train, but it's not really well known. Probably, I don't know, the family says that they want to develop, but they finally they don't do. So it's a, a very special place and not very famous. Wow, it sounds amazing. And I think, you know, what a great recycling opportunity to use the former aqueduct for the cellar because I'm sure it's cool and it's got the right temperature for for the wine. Yes, perfect, cool, not so humid, despite it's an old channel, but there is not water. So the temperature is uh, always uh, stable. And it's a beautiful, incredibly beautiful place. Oh, amazing. And which um, train station do you go to to get there? Uh, Colonna. Colonna is a train going from Rome to Naples, a local train. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we don't hear enough about some of the other wines in Italy. 
that aren't so famous and you know when it's something that's easily accessible like this and you can go you know on your own even just to get there on by train that's fantastic or by bus also there is a bus that is going almost directly there ah so it's easy otherwise you rent a car if you do a tour which is also tweetable these like little the hidden gems is is very overused, but it's this sounds like it's just like one of those places that I would really love to spend um, half a day visiting. And um, do they serve lunch there as well? They you have to book. You have to book because the restaurant is not open um, anymore. But you have to book with a group. They serve the special uh, uh, local um, food, which is the porchetta. You know the porchetta because you eat the porchetta. Roasted small uh, pork, salami, ham, vegetables, and the typical pasta of Rome, or and the fruits, uh, and the local cookies, uh, the ciambelline, the small donuts. So you have to go, you have to try. When you come, you let me know in advance and we do it. <laughs> We're going to have a very busy day, Margaret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, more days. You need more days to explore the hidden gems. Oh, you do. Oh, you do. This is what's amazing. I was telling Marguerite before, I find it really funny when people say, and it does put a smile on my face when people say, oh, I've I've been to Rome before. I've seen everything. And it's like, Whoa. I have to tell you, I uh, Kathy, I am 3,000 years old. I spent a year my, all my life. I didn't see everything. <laughs> and I do this job and I also I am studying Rome uh, all my life, all the time. So I think you can never see everything in Rome. No, no. I don't think it's true of most cities, actually, um, but Rome especially, just so many just amazing things have happened there. I had no idea you were going to tell me about a winery, so I'm excited about that because <laughs> I love wine. Um, where should we go to next? So next we go always in the suburbs along another road that is Appian Way, ancient Appian Way, and Tuscolana Way. We go in an amazing property that was built in the middle of the second century AD by two brothers that were probably Roman consuls, incredibly wealthy, killed in purpose by the Emperor Commodus, the terrible emperor of the gladiator. Do you remember the movie? (laughs) In the movie, they made him especially psychopathicist, but he was in a kind of way. He has killed the two brothers to expropriate the property. The property is an amazing, enormous villa going from the Appian Way. It was ending along the Tuscolana Way. Now we have uh, only a small part that has been expropriated by the government. It is a national monument where you have an amazing example of a very, very wealthy villa. It's just outside of Rome, but you can go by bus. There is a bus stopping in the front, and you have the remnants probably of a small private amphitheater Private, very refined, luxurious baths were probably Commodus has been killed because in the movie Gladiator you see the Commodus has been killed in in the Colosseum by the Gladiator, but this is not true. He has been killed in the bath by his former mistress, 
uh, called Marsha, yes, and by another killer, a former slave. And uh, you have uh, a monumental fountain. And next to the, in the same property, but not really next to the villa in a side space, you have probably the space where they were living, the slaves, because in the big villas, you always had a farm, a parts rustica, like, like they say in Latin. So that is another incredible place, which is like a city because it was an enormous aristocrat's villa. Only a small part has been excavated. Also there, they are going on with the excavation. And you have incredible reception rooms where Commodus did his special party with the couples, boys, girls. They mixed themselves. <laughs> they did like... Uh, Let's say special experience. <laughs> yes. From the roads, they could shout, they could do whatever they wanted because people could not hear the, them, uh, I don't know, screaming, shouting. It is not famous, perfectly preserved. And it's another place that I really suggest to visit. Called the Villa dei Quintili. Quintili are the two consul brothers that have been killed by Commodus. So did he then take over the villa himself? So he killed them and then took the villa for himself. Is that what happened? Yes. He said that uh, they made something wrong that they didn't and uh, he sentenced them to the death and he has expropriated the property. He just wanted the property, basically. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, these things are as old as these sort of intrigues as are as old as time, but they still continue today in some parts of the world. Oh, absolutely, yes. I'm sure that villa has got a lot of stories to tell. Marsha sounds like she was pretty psychopathic herself. <laughs> maybe, or maybe she was forced to be his concubine because she was a slave. So. Oh, she didn't like it. In fact, they killed him. <laughs> she contributed in killing him. My goodness, so interesting. And so so is that if you kept going along the Appian Way, you would finally get there? Yes. You have two axes, one from the Appian Way, another one from the new Appia. Now, after the World War II, it has been built the Appia Nuova, the new Appia, which is going to the highway to the Naples, to Naples. You have also an access from the Appia Nuova. You have two axes. But the property continued after the Appianova till the ancient Tuscolana. Wow. So it was in between two big ancient Roman roads. But now a big part is covered by the modern uh, suburban uh, districts. Yeah, it's just, I think it's hard to really get your head around the scale of some of these places. That's, that's to me, really incredible because... Sometimes you think it's going to be small, but these places are huge. No, are huge because uh, they also there was a way they knew the importance of the propaganda and they knew that they had to show that they had big properties uh, or big uh, houses uh, to um, to show how they were important. And is there another spot in that area that you wanted to share as well, if you're going out that way? Yes, uh, that is an entire city. I have spoken about sites that are east of Rome. This is west of Rome. This is the city of Ostia, ancient Ostia. Ostia is the first colony established by Rome. 
it, it used to be at the mouth of the Tiber. Now the coastal line moved away, so it's not anymore. Neither on the Tiber, because the Tiber changed bed, moved up uh, to the north in 1557 because of a flow that fell double But the city is there. About Ostia, I can tell that everybody, all the visitors want to go to Pompeii, which is famous, which is, uh, of course, uh, interesting. But Ostia is a few kilometers from Rome, 22. You go to Ostia with a very uh, nice train. It is not nice for the people that every day have to take it, but it's nice for tourists. (laughs) You can go by train with a very reasonable ticket, few coins. And you have at your disposal a very well-preserved and interesting ancient city. Quite beautiful. Always beautiful weather because it's it's very few to the sea, to the coastal line, so it's never cold. Sometimes it's raining, but it's never cold. You can go all over the year. It's very interesting because you have a lot of public building and private building. You have examples of houses, boards, let's say condominiums. You have villas, you have shops, you have different types of baths. Ostia was a cosmopolitan city because there were travelers, merchants, sailors. You find temples of all religions, a synagogue, one of the older synagogues of the Western Europe, probably the oldest. You have the old, the pagan temples, you have Christian churches. So you can understand the how the people were living all together in peace, speaking different languages, having different customs. And it was built around the same time as Pompeii too, wasn't it? In the beginning, yes, because they've been established probably both in the 6th century. But Pompeii has been suddenly destroyed by the eruption in 79 AD, and it stopped like this. Ostia continued to live. So you see also the phases of the late empire, early Middle Ages, Middle Ages. Then it has been destroyed by earthquakes and buried by the dirt, but it has been rediscovered and re-excavated. So, if you want, it's more interesting than Pompeii because it continued to live after the 71. Pompeii has been definitely destroyed and buried and forgotten until 1700s when it has been rediscovered. Yeah, I mean, I actually went there with Margarita and it was such an incredible site. There was no one there and it was really easy to get to. It's not not difficult to get there from Rome. And it's a beautiful spot just that you, you do have the they're not the traditional pine trees. Well, they, they weren't the original trees that were there. Were I remember you telling me. What is the name of those pine trees? They are called umbrella pines or Mediterranean pines. And they were planted by um, orders by Mussolini. By Mussolini, by the diggers, yes. The day after the diggings uh, commissioned by Mussolini between 1938-42. I know they were causing a bit of a problem because of the roots and things like that, but um, it does it does look nice. <laughs> but you do have some really lovely sights to see there. And I think one of the favourite one, you know, that I shared with my children was the toilet, to- the bathroom. <laughs> 
the latrines where they used to go all together, making new friends. <laughs> they were everywhere in the Roman cities, but they are very well preserved. They are, aren't they? And then you can go into a shop and into a takeaway shop and you can walk right in. And that's not always possible in Pompeii, actually. So especially, you know, because there's so many people there. So you can, at Ostia, you can go and walk around. But once again, it's like you I don't recommend going there on your own. No. Also, in Ostia, Ostia is, is a big city, so you don't know the paths, you don't know the direction of where not to go. It's better going with a guide. Especially if you don't want to waste time. If you, like, I don't know, spend an entire day there, maybe. But otherwise, with a guide, you you can reach easily the the most important part, the most famous. Uh, yes, Austria is suggest to go with a guide. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fantastic place to go. So if you're looking for an alternative to Pompeii, <laughs> then definitely go check it out. Also, if you are only in Rome and in the area of Rome, you don't have to spend a day. You spend a lot of money with by train or by car and uh, the guide the guide in Pompeii, you come back quickly. I suggest to go in Pompeii if you are planning a trip in Naples area and in the region of Naples. So you can do Pompeii, Capua, Colano and the rest. But if you stay in Rome, if you want to have a really an idea of a Roman city, it's better to go to Austria. Mm. And this, you know, it's a it's nice mo- modern place as well. There's some nice restaurants um out there. Yes. So you you could go there, and then after you've done your walking around, you could go to a nice restaurant, and then head back into Rome, and you'll have a taste of the coast because it's right on the coast. And it's very beautiful. It's a really nice place. I totally recommend 100% everyone should go there and just to just learn as well because this is where, you know, fascinating place where all the food that came from around the empire into Rome and then they put it on barges down the Tiber, didn't they? So we get to um, one of my other favourite places in Rome, Testaccio, which is where it was then put in warehouses and distributed. I mean, logistics... Probably Amazon learned a lot about logistics from the, from the Romans. <laughs> <laughs> they, they knew what they were doing back then. Oh, yes. So, yeah, it was such a fantastic morning that we had out at Ostia. And, you know, Rome is just full of these amazing, amazing places. And, you know, even though I've been so many, many times to Rome, there's so many more places that I want to explore. And like I said, it really just makes me smile when people say that they've done Rome because you you can't. There's things everywhere. And really I think people should look to their interests. Like if you're interested in you know, wine, there's a beautiful winery you can go. If you want to go for a nice long walk in, in the country along the Appian Way, you can do that too if you like walking. And then you can discover this incredible villa or you can go out by the sea to Ostia. I mean, it's really, really amazing. There's just so many layers to uncover. Now, Margarita, if our listeners want to learn more about Rome's hidden secrets and stay in touch with you, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find, uh, we have a website with uh, our friends and colleagues. We are a group of two guides. We are archaeologists, art historians, architects. Um, our website is www.guidearoma.com.
We will put a link into our show notes so everyone will have access to that. So, yeah, and I think the real benefit of going with an archaeologist or a historian is that you're really getting the sense of of what it was like to live back 2,000, 3,000 years ago in this amazing city. Now, in the the website, you'll find uh, um, around 40 itinerary suggestions. So, also, if you do not want... uh, a guide anyway you have some ideas of what to do oh that's very generous of you <laughs> yeah there are archaeological sites museums uh, uh, small cities around rome and uh, so you find some uh, some ideas also if you don't want to book a guide so, because our goal is to like uh, to introduce rome and to make people in love with rome and with the surroundings as we are in rome no, oh, well, you certainly helped me extend my journey uh, for learning about Rome and I just, you know, I can't wait to get back. So grazie mille, Margarita. I just love hearing about him in Rome and I can't wait to hear more from you. Thanks so much for joining us again on the Untold Italy podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you again for having me and uh, it was a great pleasure and uh, I'm always waiting for you. Rome is the eternal city, so I will wait for you for the eternity. <laughs> Thank you so much. Grazie. Prego. There is no place quite like Rome, and that's due to all the many treasures that you can discover, like the ones Margarita shared with us here on the pod today. As the city of Rome gets busier, and these days it looks like low seasons are really a thing of the past. It's such a great idea to break up your days by adding a few of these lesser-known sites into your itinerary, along with the classics like the Colosseum and Vatican Museums. Now, when I'm talking to people about Italy before their trip, most can't be convinced of this, but if I do manage to get them to add something a little out of the ordinary to their itinerary, inevitably this will be their favourite experience. And you know what? I know all you listeners are curious travellers who keep an open mind, so do check out some of the lesser-known sites in Rome. I promise you won't be disappointed. All the details and the links to the places Margarita mentioned are in the show notes at untolditaly.com forward slash 201 for episode number 201. You'll also find Margarita's details there should you wish to look her up. Grazie. Thanks to all our wonderful listeners for your ongoing support of Untold Italy. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, then it would be amazing if you gave us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app. This helps bring our passion for travel in Italy to more travellers just like you, and we so, so appreciate it. Next week on Untold Italy, we're headed to another special corner of central Italy, but until then, it's ciao for now. The Untold Italy podcast is an independent production. Podcast editing, audio production and website development by Mark Hatter. Production assistance and content writing by the other Katie Clark. Yes, there are two of us. For more information about Untold Italy, please visit untolditaly.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.